This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. You're listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson. Everybody. Hello, Talia and Greg. We're so very back. And guess what I did a couple of nights ago? Peeps. I can't wait to find out. Does it have anything to do with owls? Um, I have a 25-minute-long owl, like a silent, mm. slow owl story that I'd like to share with you. No, That's I'm like a kidding. documentary. That's not a podcast. I... So I forgot how much I love live music and we are, we are obsessed with basically Rufus du Soul that they seem to be seeing the same age, but we keep on getting older and older and we follow them wherever they go. And we've seen them at Red Rocks and we just are obsessed with them. And then all of a sudden Rob, my husband discovered this new band. And I always feel really threatened when he discovers new good music because I'm the cool one in the relationship. But he was like, oh, there's this new really great band called Rainbow Kitten Surprise. And I kind of thought it was a joke because of the name. And I started listening to them. And then I became obsessed and a super fan. And in June, I got him tickets to this concert that was just a couple days ago. So six months later, right? And obsessed. They were so freaking good. And I didn't know a lot about their backstory, but they were roommates in college and they had one of their friends who I think was really sick or possibly dying get to choose the name for their college band. (laughs) And it was sort of a joke name that stuck and people are obsessed with them. They sold out the armory spectacular and what i love so much about them is you cannot put them in a box there is not a single genre of music that you could say that they are do either of you know who they have you heard of them no you know i knew you were going to that concert because we had chatted and i remember thinking i don't even know what that like i didn't know it was a band because i thought is that like a shop (laughs) like because we have the smitten kitten as well and i'm like is that a sex shop like and i'm like no it's not it's a band they are unbelievable and they're so inspiring because they're so very much themselves and you just can't put them in any sort of a box. They're just showing up in the world as authentically and beautifully as humans could be. And people are obsessed with that. I mean, like gay, straight, trans, it, I will say it was, it was a pretty white crowd though. I noticed, but very, like, very interesting, obsessed fans loved it. Such you know, I will tell job. you, Talia, when I, when I did check out some videos to kind of see what you and Rob were experiencing, 
I was very impressed with the authenticity and genuineness of its members and the support to one another, because of course the lead singer is trans identified and, uh, feels incredibly seemingly comfortable in their skin, which is such a, I, uh, a re remarkable thing, of course. I am not sure that they are trans Really? Okay. I might be wrong. I apologize. And I missed. haven't done enough research. However, I will say that the guitarist is like short mini skirt, long, beautiful, flowing hair, really sexy, like trans identified but i think that the lead singer i actually i don't i don't know but i feel like that has been a much different process for him in terms of coming out and even identifying as anything so it just beautiful to watch them just be who they are yep I mean, that's the amazing thing, right? And and what incredible role models, regardless of, again, what label they've chosen for themselves uh, or they are, I, I think it's just an incredible role model. I was very, very so, uh, heartened by watching some of the videos. Meaningful lyrics impressed. as well. It was so, so beautiful. And then I so thought beautiful. how cool Rob was for... Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know you self-identified as the cool one and I'm going to give you I that. Know. I think you're very cool. And I love that orange color so much. I can't stand it. Why? Thank you. I don't look like a construction cone. Mm, no. A little bit. No. Well, thank you. I very much appreciate that. I'm glad you had fun. What a great outing. Are we ready to dive into our, mail <clears throat> our mailbag today? Hmm. So very That ready. feels like a rhetorical question. Hmm. What I if we so. said no? <laughs> yes, well, we're ready. That's, that's then we, we would mute. process that. That's where we mute and turn someone off, and then our <laughs> audience wouldn't get, to, wouldn't get to hear from them for the rest of, this, of the episode. And wouldn't that be sad? I'd be sad. I'd be, I'd, I would have to <sighs> grieve. Yeah. And my grief might be disenfranchised. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so this this uh, this question today is from Rachel. Okay. And the question is, did I do the right thing by saying no? Ooh. Ooh. I left my boyfriend after he tried to propose. I'm 20 and my boyfriend is 27, and we've been together Ooh. for about a year and three months. From the beginning, he's always talked about marriage and kids. And I want kids and that stuff too, but definitely later in life, not right now. Mm-hmm. We would often be lying in bed and he would just say, I can't wait to do this when we're married. And personally, I don't get it. Like what's going to change from now when we're dating to when we're married, our relationship will still be the same when we started with, <clears throat> he often would just ask me casually to marry him almost halfway joking. Right. And I would always answer him something along the lines of, well, someday He's asked me about every month for about a year, and I always answer the same way. I'm very busy, and I travel for my job, for work, so I don't really see myself settling down within the next few years. And I've never let him on about this. This is very clear from the very beginning that I have these plans for my career. I don't even want to get engaged until I'm at least 25, and I want kids in my late 20s and early 30s. Like I, This has been communicated over and over again. This is not a surprise. Good job. And that's just a, that's a personal boundary and a preference I have. And whenever I answer seriously, he always just shuts down and gets quiet and looks upset at me. And I know we have a bit of an age gap because of, you know, seven years. And we met at a work party when I was 18, 
we were in the same field and we have the same close group of friends at work. He never gave me creepy or ill intentions. It was never, that was never our dynamic. And the only issue we seem to have is about this marriage situation and kids. The last time he casually asked me, we were on the beach about a month ago. And once again, I said, I know I'm not, I'm not ready right now. Fast forward to two days ago. And he proposed to me for real. He took me to oh, a God. mountain with a waterfall and actually got on one knee with a ring. No. I didn't even look at the ring before I said no. I mean, that's how automatic this was. It was like a reflex. I started walking away and crying just out of sheer shock at the situation. And I knew when I did that, that that would be the end for us. Because I could not see myself getting back together with someone who just doesn't listen to me and doesn't take my needs in, into consideration. I'm not sure if he thought a nice ring would make things better or me magically saying yes, but it didn't work. He started crying and begging. I told him I needed time. I flew home to my family and told them what happened. And it turns out that he actually had talked to my family ahead of time and they told him that he shouldn't do it. And oh, he completely ignored him. And, you know, never told them, he never told my family that he was going to go through with it. And it and didn't bother to invite them to a party that he had planned for after this proposal, where I later found out that his entire family was waiting for us. Oh. So honestly, I feel great about the decision. And I texted him that we're done, that he had crossed the line. But unfortunately, I still have to see him at work. But I don't feel an ounce of sadness about this. It's more like relief, and I'm not totally sure why. Did I do the wrong thing by saying no? Rachel, the only error I see was that you did not look at how many carrots the diamond was before you... I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, this is what... I mean, Rachel, honestly, you sound so clear on this message as you're talking about this and you hit it on the head when you talked about the fact that he hasn't been listening to you. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of makes me wonder how much strain there was in your relationship with his kind of negative or, and I don't know if it was dirty looks or just that look of concern whenever you said, no, I'm not ready. Like it didn't feel like you two have had that conversation to the point that you really both understood where each other was at. And you have to dig deep. Like I'm, I'm hopeful and maybe you did, but I'm hopeful that when he looked at you that way, you said, so what's behind that? I keep telling you I'm not ready and you keep asking and you're, it doesn't feel like you're hearing me. Like, I want to know why he just keeps bulldozing and bulldozing and bulldozing. And I'll tell you, that is a huge red flag for your relationship. Dude has to listen to you. You have to listen to him. That's how a relationship succeeds, right? So I don't know why that happened. And then that you find out your family actually supported your idea of saying no what the hell is going on? Like this guy was so kind of tunnel visioned. And again, I might have some empathy for him. Like what is going on for him? Why is this so important for him? What is the, what is the, what is the meaning of marriage to him? Because, you know, I, and I, I actually started thinking at the earliest uh, parts of the conversation today or the, the mailbag, like, what does marriage mean to him? What is that security? What is that contract? What is that legal piece that makes him feel like that's in place? And that makes me want to, like, if he were my client, I'd want to know all those pieces. Like, what is the meaning of this for you? And what is she telling you? It's kind of like when people say, I'm not interested. And then people just keep asking them out. Move the fuck on from that relationship. Like, why would you keep pursuing somebody who in that moment, at least, is not interested in you? 
So I don't love this. I think you made a good choice, Rachel. I think you listened to yourself. I would find it annoying. By the way, um, I had a relationship with someone who just kept pressuring and pressuring and pressuring. And, you know, at the last minute asked me, like, before he left town, like five times, I've got a ring in my pocket. Will you marry me? I I said no at least five times that night. And I'm like, what about, and then you, you feel bad for saying no, because it feels so callous. And yet, you know, you know yourself, Rachel, and I'm so proud of you for listening to yourself and no, from my point of view, you made a really great decision, which by the way, is kind of reflected in your relief. Like when you feel that relief from this experience, grab it and run with it and have fun with it and look for someone who regards you is at the same place. It's not like you were saying no forever. I have no idea how he just kept bulldozing forward without listening to you. It's really a weird, weird decision. I I feel like I kind of want to start at the end and then move backwards. I also think you made a good decision because of that sense of relief and because he wasn't listening to you. And I was increasingly horrified by how clear you were and how delusional he was like you you were saying what you wanted and what you needed and he just kept going and going but this i was i was also thinking from the beginning i wonder what marriage means to you rachel because you were keeping on thinking that what it meant was i'm not ready to settle down or have our lives lives look any different than they're already looking and what i'm picturing is you're 20 years old and your friends and your peers it's it's a completely different feeling to be 20 and dating and you feel like oh my God, I've got years and years and years. And you're not saying no, you're saying not yet. You're saying there are a whole lot of things I want to be doing and focusing on before I'm ready for that next step in the relationship. Yeah. So this might, I might be contradicting contradicting myself, but yeah, 20, I totally get it. You're not ready to get married. On the other hand, I don't necessarily know if getting married should change any of the things. You should be able to continue to travel and grow and live your best life. I think the timeline you set up for yourself of of like, I've got years until I want to get married and I don't want to start having kids until 27, which is exactly how old the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend is, right? So there is this biological piece and a chronological piece, which I'm picturing all of his peers or brothers and sisters or colleagues at 27 are dropping like flies, getting <laughs> married, having kids, moving on to the next stage. So in this particular decade, 20 and 27 feel very far apart, but 30 and 37, 40 and 47 feel less so. I'm, I'm struck by like the only part that there's just a little twinge of like, oh God, I really wish it didn't end up this way is because it didn't sound like you didn't want the same things. It's just that he was seven years ahead of you and he didn't have patience and he wasn't a good listener. And I've known so many stories end up so many different ways that are slightly cautionary tales, right? Like I've got a friend who wasn't ready in her 20s. He was like 12 years older. She had a whole life to live, wasn't ready to settle down. He moved on. She, they didn't stay together. He got married to someone else and is living a 
happy life. And she will never be able to shake the feeling that he was the one, but their timing was off. So there's that. But then there are also other stories, right? That are the complete opposite where people move too quickly and then they feel really trapped with the wrong person because they felt like it would be mean to say no. So you're the only one who can really dig deep and see what the right choice was. But if you were feeling relief and if he just wasn't listening to you or your parents, that was a bulldozing situation that probably wasn't going to end well anyway, to be honest. I agree with you, Talia, in that there's an age situation for sure. Even though, you know, she tried to minimize that a little bit in the, in the question. I think also something that is important is that within the story, she mentioned that he always had this look of despair or, you know, after they had this conversation, it makes me question whether the communication was actually forceful enough to communicate, to actually deliver and make him understand enough. Or if um, she would sort of back off at that point in time and sort of just let, you know, let it go. I think, Mm. especially if you've had that situation happen over and over and over and over again, it's important. It's something she, she could do more of potentially in that sit down, talk about it when it's not coming up, talk about it during another period of time when he's not proposing or talking about it. And when you're, you're bringing triggered. the one bringing it up that this is important. I'm telling you out of context on purpose so we can have this conversation and you're not, you know, all in love and stuff like that. Although, I mean, hey, give him kudos for wanting to lock it down and and put a ring on it. No, he blew it. He totally blew it. (laughs) I I disagree with actually both of those things. I I think, you know, Rachel, you said at the very beginning, from the very onset, you were clear this is where you were at. This is what your timeline was. Um, I want to just note that we all know that biological time clocks are different than, you know, for women than they are men. Men, as we know from David Letterman, can be a dad at 70 or whatever he was. I don't know. Um, <laughs> whereas women don't have that same opportunity. So your, your timeline is really important to you. And you've, you've been really clear on that from the beginning. I also want to say, I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that you should have like, been entirely responsible for making him hear you. No means no, mister. Like, I just think there's a part of this that, you know, if he was uncomfortable, at what point was he going to say, I'm not quite on the same page as you. And I'm, I'm frustrated every right. time I ask you and it doesn't happen. And what did he think? Like, he was just going to put this big presentation together and then you'd be like, I'm so uncomfortable saying no now, so I'm not going to do it. I tell people, you know, if you don't want to get married and you're sitting in front of the minister or preacher or whoever, justice of the peace, walk away if it's not That's the right, right idea. And do not do things you like- don't want to do. Yeah. Some people are like, oh, God, I don't really feel like I should go ahead with this wedding. But we already sent out the invitation. Fuck that. Right? I don't care how and much like, money was spent no. on it. Move up, move back. And this be is yourself and be your honest. Life. So I would say I think she communicated. Rachel, I think you did a, a bang up job of being clear from the very beginning. And I think dude was not listening. And dude has to open up his ears. And she never said no. She said not yet until he pushed it to this like ultimatum point. And he blew it. I got to be honest. If he loved her as much as it sounds like, and if he was as obsessed with her as it sounds like, 
Or was he just obsessed with like putting a ring on her, right? Because if he was in love and obsessed, he would have listened and said, okay, so I'm hearing you're not ready yet. Can you tell me what your timeline looks like? Because I'm crazy about you. And how long do I have to wait? How hard is that? Right. So I I have worked with couples where there is this very vague, invisible finish line that I can completely understand that drives people nuts. When people say, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, maybe later, maybe someday, that is, I would say, not really acceptable. And that makes the other person really anxious, even people that are not anxiously attached might feel a little bit more like, I don't know, anxiously attached, worried about abandonment, freaking out, wanting to know what the timeline is. When are we going to move to the next level? So I would say in an ideal world, you're saying, okay, I can promise you that I'm not going to be ready for the next handful of years, but I do really love you. I do really want to be with you. And I do think that I want kids, but that might not be for a decade. So are you willing to wait or not? But I do feel like without any sense of like, I want what you want. Here's what my timeline looks like. It makes the other person feel crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. There's something about this that just triggers me about this guy. Um, It just feels a little bit manipulative, bullying, maybe that might be hyperbolic, but Um, when someone says to you something and, you know, Talia, everything that you just said in that script, um, when someone tells you where they're at, I mean, listen for God's sakes. And if you have questions or if you're concerned with it, continue to negotiate and navigate. I love the idea that he might've said, I'm so in love with you. I want to go to something here. And that's the, the meaning of marriage, right? Like at the end of the day, regarding, regardless of your spiritual or religious or not religious belief systems about this, it is a legally binding contract. One of the things that was so surprising to me, um, but, you know, kind of a slap in the face about this, when marriage equality happened, um, I remember lots of attorneys doing seminars on all of you people who have not had access to, you know, legalized marriage before. These are the things about marriage. These are the implications of marriage. These are the requirements. These are the obligations. Um, and every one of you should have a prenup because you are not familiar with how this works. But it is a legally binding contract that I think is to be taken very seriously. It's not romantic. It can be. I mean, there can be an, a beautiful, lovely, romantic sort of security that that's about putting a ring on it. Thank you, Beyonce, for that amazing single ladies video truly one of my favorites of all time damn everyone's Um, favorite i know right so but what i would say about is i understand the romance of it and the security that some people get they're not on the same page listen listen buddy open your ears i almost swore again i swear a lot these things bug me it's not that hard to communicate i know but the communication is hard for a lot of people or elements of it. And I appreciate I also, that. Right I also think that we need to acknowledge at least the workplace dynamics in the situation. Oh, because, so uncomfortable. Because they, because they are work colleagues and, you know, that's now going to become another thing. Right. And so I think to your point, Doug, communication right now is paramount yep. to not make the workplace a, a terrible environment, you know, moving forward or an, an environment that makes everyone uncomfortable, um, you know, while, while working. And then 
I also want to acknowledge, or I think we should acknowledge the fact that the age gap when they started, when she started dating and she was 18 Oof, and he yep. was older, I'm not saying this is the situation at all. I'm not, not claiming that this is a situation, but an older gentleman, seven years and an 18 year old woman, he should have known better in terms of like, there's a growth trajectory that individuals need to go on and maybe they're out of sync because between 18 and 22 and 22 and 25 are huge development years. That's, that's really suspect in my mind in terms of Greg, you're not wrong at all. The only thing we're not factoring in is that there is this animal attraction that happens sometimes that we're not thinking about timelines, trajectory, mental health, family history. Like we're not asking any questions about whether or not this could potentially work. We're just like, yep, I'm in, sign me up. And then that's why it's like, everything kind of falls apart a little bit later when people start leaking their ugly or talking about their actual truths and hopes and dreams about their future. Um, that's when the important stuff happens. But I think that maybe that's what happened in that situation is. Yeah, that, that's possible. The other thing too, is that especially this younger generation now is getting married later or marriage doesn't mean the same thing to them. I was going to say, or not right. at all. Yeah, yeah. That's or, right. or not at all. If it's just a contract. And that's something that needs to be communicated as well in terms of what does marriage mean? You know, to, so to your point, Doug, talking about that and making sure that we're on the same page on where this train is going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I was very struck again by seminars on how to get married that occurred at the uh, onset of marriage equality here in, in our state, but also nationally. Wow. I think it's a fascinating experience. And I think educating on the system is good because I don't think anyone knows, you know, social security benefits, insurance benefits, uh, visitation in hospital settings, all those sorts of things relate to whether or not you have legalized a legalized connection to somebody. So Hmm. I just think it's kind of a fascinating thing. And I think, again, the big question is like, what was it meaning to both of them? They clearly weren't thinking the same thing. I have have incredible regard for whatever anybody might need around that issue. I do think at 18, it's really hard. I'm, I'm less likely to think that both of them, you know, haven't grown into an understanding of what this relationship is. I think seven years by itself is not a big age gap in my opinion at 18 and 25. It might be though. Right. Right. So lots and lots of factors. I also agree with, you know, Greg, your comment, the remembrance or the reiteration of the fact that that workplace might be a a complicated dynamic. I don't know. We'll see. We all get to make decisions though. And Rachel, you know, going back to your ultimate question, I fully support you taking care of yourself and listening. Um, I don't want to get into the ring. I'm going to make a joke again about the diamond, the, but the no. 12 carat ring ah. might've been worth <laughs> throwing the rest of your life away. And yeah. I mean, I think that your sense of relief says it all. And I yeah. do feel like maybe the way that he was pushing and pushing and pushing his agenda, that's just symbolic of what the rest of your relationship may have felt like. I mean, the next one would have been, 
kids. The next one might have been, I mean, whatever it is, any way yeah. along the path, if this is the way that he bulldozes his needs without listening, that might be the bottom line of that's just not a good fit. And guess what? We create what we most fear. Congratulations, ex-boyfriend. You blew it. I, I just want to make one more comment about marriage. You know, I think those of us who are not 20. Um, but but we, barely, but practically 20. Pretty close. 22, yep. I think you mm, are. Yeah, that, that might be close, even though my older daughter is 34. Um, so the crazy thing about this is I just think that we created, like, we have to really take into account the social context. First of all, I think marriage occurs at different ages and different parts of our region, even the United States and around the world. But also, you know, when you think about, and I really do think about this, like people of my generation and before the divorce rate is so high. Like, what did we teach people about what marriage is? What did we teach people about divorce? You know, I think mm -hmm. it's a very complicated message. And I think we need to really, like anything else, be really thoughtful about those decisions we make when it I comes to making. I think that sounds like a great topic for another episode just to talk about what is marriage. I agree. Yes. And the Let's... societal expectations that push people into making choices that are not good for themselves. Yeah. We yeah. could talk about that. I love that idea. I'd love to mm -hmm. have that conversation. And I'm sure we'll talk about that at, at the upcoming events to be scheduled to Ooh. be announced later. Sign me up. Sign Rachel up. Oh yeah. Right. Good luck, Rachel. Take care. Yes. Good luck. Good choice. Good choice. Good job. Good, job. good choice and job. Choib. Joib. <laughs> Chob. Have a question for Doug or Talia. Email us your questions at questions at renotfine.com. Eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at we'renotfine.com. Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.